0: If you say yes to every opportunity in life, where exactly would you end up? There might be more ways forward than you could count, but would you be able to make
1: the most of those opportunities at the same time? And what would happen if instead you said no to virtually everything? You could count the opportunities that you do pursue on one hand, but were you completely intentional about chasing them in the first place? I think saying no is leaving a lot on the table,
0: Tom. And I think that by saying yes, the table might just break, Ben. We'll see about that. Welcome, listeners, to Subject Matter.
1: Ben, good morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful day here in the United States. I'm sure it's raining and foggy in the UK. We spent a great deal of time talking about getting better and improving in new years, despite the weather that I'm sure you're experiencing right now, I've got a question for you. Did you make your own luck this week or did you experience it? So I would say that
0: it's a little bit of both actually. I certainly made my own luck because I'm writing every single day and the words are definitely coming easier. And as a life metric of mine, improving that writing is key. But also I experienced it as well. I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks time and I had someone reach out to me who I haven't spoken to in over two years who said they'd like to catch up and see what I'm doing for business. So it was a case of putting in the work, but also being able to capitalize on those opportunities. How about you, Tom? How did Lady Luck treat you this week?
1: Uh, I, lady luck was not on my side this time around. In the span of 24 hours, I got trapped on a train, trapped in an elevator, lost a pair of keys, had my photo shoot equipment and camera equipment trapped in the apartment with the keys. It just didn't seem like anything was going well. And I kind of drilled into that a little bit more. And I realized that part of the reason I was spread a little thin was because I say yes to too many things and it sometimes gets me into trouble.
0: Well, saying yes to too many things, Tom, is exactly where I want to start this episode of Subject Matter. Today's debate is on the power of saying yes versus the power of saying no. When to use those strategies and when not to. Which is better? Is one strategy superior? That's what we're getting into today. And we begin this discussion with a lady who didn't just say yes to a few things, but yes to everything. And no, guys, we're not talking about Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) Well, when it comes to television and media, sorry, Marilyn, there are few individuals more accomplished in producing television than Shonda Rhimes. She's the creator, head writer, and executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, a producer of many other television series, such as Scandal, and was named one of Time Magazine's 100 People Who Helped Shape the World. Not a bad soundbite for a career, eh? You don't need to know much more about Rhymes to assume that she has a pretty busy schedule. As a high-flying media executive and the single mother of three children, Rhymes has more reason than most to say no to virtually any opportunity. Or so you might think. Only a few years ago, Shauna Rhymes actually decided to become an open book. She ran an experiment where she would say yes to everything that scared her or made her uncomfortable for a full year. Now, Rhymes is a self-proclaimed media titan, and it's hard to disagree. In one year, the shows she brings to life air back to back to back on Thursday nights in the United States, all while creating hundreds of jobs that didn't exist before, and they have a combined budget in the hundreds of millions of dollars. In her words, my brain is global. Media titan? Okay. You've definitely earned the title. But the problem is that success comes at an exponential cost. The more known her work becomes, the more work there is left to do. The stakes are raised yet again, the pressure mounts, and this is a process that never, ever stops. And one day, the work she loved so dearly stopped being enjoyable altogether. The relentless 15 hour days had finally taken their toll, and rhymes was paying the price of burnout. And that moment was when Shonda Rhimes said the most important yes of her life. As she was on her way out of the door, one of her three young daughters asked her to play. And even though every piece of her natural tendencies wanted to get back to the work where she was comfortable, she said yes, because this is the year of yes, remember? And as she sat down to play, slowly but surely, that joyousness, what Rhymes calls the hum, started to creep back into her life. Having that uninterrupted playing time of just 15 minutes with her kids unlocked her true potential again. She was free. She could write. She could imagine. And all because Shonda Rhymes said yes to a different type of situation, to more play and less work. Saying yes turned her back on her media empire, which to us might seem like opportunity cost, right? But it was actually the reverse. It was opportunity creation. Saying yes unlocked her true potential, and that was a path found through harmony. Shonda Rhimes was no longer all consumed by her work, but was able to find joy in life itself, all through
1: saying yes. Sure, Ben, yeah. that's a great story. And I'm, I'm super motivated. And oh my goodness, uh, she's so balanced, right? But you see saying yes to everything as harmonious. And quite frankly, I see it as dangerous. So let's go back to rhymes for a moment. She is saying yes as a path to be more balanced between work and play. But many people listening don't have kids to play with. And i seeing yes as a slippery slope to work life imbalance. So imagine saying yes to everything, right? There would be no finish line. There would be no end goal. There would be no leaving the office because there's always something left to do. Part of the creation of the work-life harmony that we've discussed, especially in past episodes, is also knowing what balance looks like and adjusting your schedule accordingly. You know what works for you more than anyone else. Not all of us want to work 15-hour days and be consumed by what we're doing 24-7, so imagine saying yes to everything, to the extra job, the extra presentation, the next product line, and everything, and we'd burn out faster than Sean Rhymes did. To operate at our absolute highest levels, we need to streamline what we do and tunnel vision in on that. It's the year of the, not A, right? To know what the thing is, you need to be focused on only that. We need to be maximally efficient. And this is where yes has another problem. Saying yes can lead to a little thing we call decision fatigue. Always saying yes is actually basically looking at the infinite amount of decisions you need to make, which is actually our willpower running incredibly low as you have to go over and over and over, pouring over every new part of your decision set. I want to use an example that I love to lean on every single time we talk about decision fatigue. Let's say you've got a headache, right, and you want to get some medicine. So you go to one of two local places to go pick something up. You go to option one, your local pharmacy, say a CVS or a Walgreens, or option two, a local wholesaler like a Costco or Sam's Club. Now, the local pharmacy is going to have a lot of options. You've got Advil, you've got the store brand, you've got off-brand ibuprofen, you've got Space Advil from NASA in some weird world, you name it. You've got plenty of brand options and a bunch of size differences for each one. You've got a 10-pack, a 25-pack, a 50-pack, a 500-pack, and so you've got four options for the 25 different brands, and now all of a sudden you're making a decision from a pool of 50 or more different options of all these different brands and quantities. Now, you've got a lot of choices, but is that a good thing? Now, alternatively, let's take Costco, for example. Uh, a wholesale store famous for getting their consumers to spend way more than they ever thought they would. The average checkout of a Costco member is over $135 per trip compared to $55 for Walmart. Why is that? Let's go back to that same medicine aisle. So your option where you were at a CVS or the pharmacy where you had 50 choices before, you don't have that at Costco. Your option to cure your headache, you've got one big bottle of Advil priced around $10, with a quantity of 500 pills in it. And that's it. One choice, one option, a great value backing up that option, and one decision to make, yes or no. Do you have a headache, you're putting that in your cart. So at this local pharmacy, you've got so many options that your decision pool is massive. Which size, you ask yourself? Which brand am I gonna go with? Am I gonna use this before I move to my next apartment, house, home? All of a sudden, you're doing the math on the price per pill. Three cents a pill for this one versus five cents a pill on the other. What's going on? Back to Costco. One choice, one decision, one addition to the shopping cart. Streamlined. Costco wins the grocery war because they eliminate decision fatigue. They make it stupid, stupid simple to make a decision on a product. They make it simple to be a consumer. So Ben... Saying no, or perhaps eliminating decision fatigue by removing options, that's where you start to begin to find the ability to execute on decisions that impact your life. No allows you to dictate the stream of opportunities that you let in so you can say yes to the right streams. Right, Tom, but you're overlooking the obvious with that
0: great analogy. How can we start out on a new path without trying a new opportunity in the first place? We can only become the best versions of ourselves by changing everything. And doesn't that mean we need to test everything first to have enough context to make the right decision? And you're always talking about using context to improve, aren't you, Tom? Let's start this piece by defining balance. I define balance as anything in equilibrium. And when it comes to relationships, that specifically means both parties saying yes and no in equal measure. But when you're starting out in your career and looking to get ahead, I found one of the most effective strategies for opening doors and getting that much needed context is to disregard balance altogether and make your proposal so enticing that the other party can't help but agree to it. In other words, you have to make them bias towards yes. Hey, Ben, you want to fly halfway around the world and meet me in Amsterdam? Count me in, but we ticked off A this year. Let's go to the Bahamas next time. And this tactic that Tom has so wittingly used on me to bias towards yes is exactly what I used to get my start as a ghostwriter a couple of years ago. I was following a prominent user on LinkedIn for a while and noticed that she was posting videos with lots of engagement, but she was missing something. She didn't have any written posts. I saw an opportunity to work together. But if I had gone in with a balanced offer, such as a market rate to work for her, it's far less likely that she would have agreed in the beginning. So one day I messaged her using a different angle, asking why she doesn't like to write more status posts. And she instantly got back to me saying she just doesn't have the time. So I hastily replied with a one-sided offer. What if someone else wrote them for you? And she said, well, that's different. I'd identified that she was time poor and made her an offer that was too good to refuse. In other words, my actions and my offer forced her to bias towards yes. Through continuing that process for a few months, one day I got a message from that same client saying she had a book launch coming up and wanted some help with the content strategy. And that led to four months of solid ghostwriting, planning and distributing content for the book's authors which went on to become an Amazon bestseller and get endorsed by Tony Robbins and Ariana Huffington and more. And all of that came from a disregard for your balance, Tom, and instead a bias towards yes.
1: There's a problem here, Ben. Where's the filter? If you're always biasing towards yes, where do you draw your line between knowing what to pursue and what to drop once you've already biased? I've gotten ahead with, surprise, surprise, a very different strategy. Instead of biasing for yes, I've gotten ahead by being extremely intentional about my experiences. Let's take a look at Lunchbox, the anti-theft bag that I've developed for music festivals. Now, as part of this, I go to a lot of different events, events where people are partying under a fair amount of substances and often going all night. And so in order for me to maximize what I'm able to do within this very fun environment, I have a set of non-negotiables each factor of what helps me operate best. This is hours of sleep, contacts to be made, the amount of content that we need to shoot, the amount of bags we need to sell, the amount of people on-site we need to promo, so on, so on, so on. So this transition from treating a recreational environment as recreation to hard news opportunity acquisition has been pretty eye-opening. Our team is expected to meet minimum goals for on-site festivals, amount of photography, handouts, activations, meetups. And sometimes there's another side of this, right? I leave shows early. I maintain a sleep schedule. There's a rule against substance consumption during set work hours. Contacts are recorded into a CRM. Follow-up emails go out on Mondays. Socials go out the morning after and so on and so on.
0: But Tom, how could the Lunchbox Adventure have even started if you didn't say yes to a music festival way back
1: in 2013? Because when I first said yes, it was a new experience. It was the first of its kind. And now that it's become more of a lifestyle and more of my day-to-day, it had to evolve as I did. And outside of Lunchbox, I have my non-negotiables about what I want from life too, in the context of new experiences. I optimize for new cities. I go for the immersion of new cultures. And I exclusively chase experiences I've never had before. And that does mean ignoring the bar down the street for the 50th time for a pint with my mates. Sorry, Ben. And instead doing something that pushes me as far out of my comfort zone as possible. I even went on a live dating show in front of 80 people last month for no other reason than it kind of scared me. So I had to do it. Well, 80 people with the, with an eye on a stage versus one person with an eye on a beer are two very, very different worlds. But to get back to the thing at hand, I'm saying yes to experiences and I say no to people. And I'm sorry, that's why I can't sit down and mindlessly chat over coffee for an hour. There are just new experiences to be had that I'm missing otherwise. Saying no, as you know, Ben, also feeds into the year of the and not A's. You'll say no to a lot more A's than you will say yes to the these. Yes may be a tool for the creation of opportunities, But what if it also leads to us being so burnt out that we can't even capitalize on those opportunities that have been presented? That's why no is so powerful. It's metered by a set of non-negotiables that serve as your ultimate filter. Saying yes too much in
0: a single day can burn us out. As you pointed out with decision fatigue, Tom, I'll give you that. But there's ways around that and ways we can free up our bandwidth to say yes to more opportunities. Welcome to the power of choosing the right routines. Are you guys ready for a spin? Routines are nothing but a series of habits stacked on top of each other. You're building up each habit individually, but as you complete one habit, you immediately flow into the next one. And this builds up momentum quickly. Now, if you can implement a stable routine that conserves your mental bandwidth for when it's actively needed, that's massive. Because your willpower is a muscle that you exercise every single day, which means like your muscles, it can get exhausted. Routines prevent that exhaustion. Let me say that again, people. Routines prevent willpower exhaustion. Why is that important? Because that means you can then focus on the things or subjects that matter. Now, routines can occur every day, every week, every month, or even
1: every year. Shout out to the ritual of Misogi. Misogi every day, baby. Or once every year to impact every day. One of those. Exactly,
0: Tom. But for now, let's look at something you can build into your day, everyday listeners. That's going to free up your mental bandwidth right now to say yes to even more opportunities. Or no more, Ben. Yes or no, Tom. Daily routines are most common in the morning, first thing to set you up for the day or in the evening to wind down and prepare for tomorrow. And I would encourage you in your own time to look into routines. Both me and Tom have implemented them to great success and they really can be powerful. But for now, as we're pressed for time, we're going to look at one part of the morning routine in particular and how it can free up your very precious mental bandwidth. When you wake up each day, Your brain is what in Latin is known as tabula rasa, a term coined from the development of free market economies, because it is a free opportunity. It's a blank slate. Now, the second that you check your phone, speak to someone, go to the gym, or do any one of thousands of actions to start your day, you'll begin and your brain starts working. And you can't get that back until the next day but what if you use that time when you woke up differently? What if you made that time sacred? This is exactly what Reid Hoffman, investor at Greylock and co-founder of LinkedIn does himself. And he stacks it with his evening routine too. Before going to bed, Reid Hoffman writes down a complex problem that he's working on. Remember, at the end of the day, we're prone to decision fatigue, So it's definitely not the time to work on something tricky that's vexing us. But if he writes the problem down now, Reed has up to eight hours of subconscious thought where his brain can work on the problem while he sleeps. Then first thing in the morning, Hoffman uses his tabula rasa state to the fullest and works on that problem, immerses himself in that problem for up to an hour to maximize his output on the solution. Now, those first couple of hours in the morning are sacred, and I would encourage you to treat them the same way. For me, it's writing. But for you, it could be problem-solving, meditating, working out, journaling, practicing gratitude, a cold shower, a warm shower, or even just making your bed. Whatever those habits are, stack them up in a predictable order. Because that boring predictability, that simple system, frees up the all-important mental bandwidth. So when you do need to say yes to something, you're not burnt out. And in fact, you can always, or most of the time, make the right decision.
1: Okay. Routines may free up bandwidth on the micro scale, Ben, but we're thinking small It's missing the bigger picture. And we're not just talking about saying yes or no over the course of the next 24 hours. We are talking about decisions made across the course of your life itself. It's about being able to contextualize when you say yes or no that really matters. Those decisions on the micro scale, yes or no, the actual words themselves, are one point in time. Being able to understand why you say yes or no across everything is a different story entirely. So for a moment... Let's talk about the difference between opportunity discovery versus opportunity execution. Yes versus no. Within the field of relationships, saying yes may mean meeting new people, but it also means that you may not meet the right people who push you forward. Saying no may indicate less people, but it's self-selecting. You decide who enters into your circle, into your orbit. That's how you find the person, then. How about experiences it has a completely different subset? What does saying yes to new experiences look like? It leads you to new places and it leads you to pushing the boundary of what you've achieved and the world you want to go see. But saying yes, sometimes forfeits your choice. What if you don't want to go somewhere and you're dragged somewhere you don't want to be? No puts you back in the driver's seat. It puts you in control. You decide where your experiences take you. Now, sometimes as saying no to a lot of things. So if you can say yes to the right thing, that's going to change your life forever. Finally, how about in a business sense? Saying yes might be the founding of new companies, new products, and new founding teams that help to bear the risks behind innovation. That's sometimes a daunting thing. Saying no puts you back in control. You can focus on the things that are going well, and you can focus on ignoring the noise. When it's time for the next thing, after the sale of a company, the switching of a job, the publishing of your book, then you can start saying yes again. But it's the understanding that there's a timing factor that governs everything, a context factor that changes whether it's better to say yes or no in any given moment. The choice is always yours, Tom. But let me tell you something. If
0: you said yes to everything, you'd push yourself to new heights. You'd try new experiences, meet an abundance of new people, and travel down a totally
1: unexpected but utterly beautiful path in your life. But if you say no to everything, you're in the driver's seat 24-7, choosing who gets the slice of your precious time and energy, and it forces you to know exactly what path lies ahead of you, as well as what you want. But as always, listener, where you choose to draw the line
0: is up to you. So thank you for listening to this episode of Subject Matter. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, we'd love if you could go and give us a rating over on iTunes and a subscription either there, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, whenever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me and Tom. My Instagram is at Ben Bradbury. Tom is at realtommybahama. And please tell us what you think. We'd love to hear whether you guys are enjoying the episodes or what you'd like us to speak about. So. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next Tuesday for another episode of Subject Matter.